Welcome to LilyPod episode 47, Loving with Intention. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Again, thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Um, Oh my gosh. I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like we had a lot of just fun with this episode. Absolutely. (laughs) And a lot of connection and application even to our marriage. Oh man. Yeah. It's like... I kind of feel like, I mean, Clint and I have mentioned this before, and actually in our, uh, <laughs> when I was, she uh, had done her content that she wanted to put in for our family Christmas letter recently, and uh, handed it off to me, hey, whatever you, know, whatever you think you want to add or edit to this or whatever, let me know. And, and one of the things she put in there was that, uh, like, she feels like we had just, together we had just have such a huge blessing with the marriage that we have with each other um focus on christ and just all the good things we're learning together and a lot of this episode i feel like was just kind of re-emphasizing what colette and i have already been learning about what a healthy marriage looks like yeah absolutely so. and and um more in connection to their intentional courtship book um a lot of good tips that we've unknowingly been applying yeah <laughs> and reading over the book because we got an, a copy um there's a lot of applications even if you're not applying it to your marriage you can apply those principles to any relationship yeah. and to we'll a family a, and, friend yeah um co-worker like there's just tools to to help you have healthy connections no matter what they are yep yep exactly and uh they the um the book that uh, Clep mentioned there, intentional. What was it called again? Intentional. Intentional courtship. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the description. Um, and they're love in later years or Lily. Um, oh they, yeah, that's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a Facebook account. They also have a website. They're coming out as they will yeah. describe. The Lily Pod, the podcast they do. They're um, coming out with lots more resources for those. You may need a little extra help in, yep. in the mid singles. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it feels like a game, so I'll just call it that. It's mid singles game. Sometimes it feels like it's dumb like that. But yeah. a lot of good things they mention here. A few things to watch out for. Um, when it comes to, as they say, uh, for like for general people, they they're looking for to help out um, anyone past the possibility of a first marriage in their twenties. Because as they say, uh, you know, love gets a little complicated after that. Um, everyone has a little... 30 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Big and little traumas from 
hard marriages, experiences, relationships, whatever. Um, but one of their scriptures, yeah, yeah, that's often a big one. Um, but with the whole, the scripture they chose, second Nephi two twenty six through 27 in the book of Mormon, um, just like, you know, watch out for what they say in regards to not allowing yourself to be acted upon. And you talk about the difference between assuming intent in, you know, contention or just conversations with your spouse or other person. Um, versus, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt. They talk a lot about how to do that in a way that, you know, nurtures peace and so forth. And brings honor to both you and them. And so that it's easier to work through the thing rather dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. not hold that grudge or, or mm -hmm. make it build up and make mm -hmm. it worse. Yeah, because we do, you know, we do get triggered. They mentioned a little bit of conversation about this too. We do get triggered sometimes and flooded emotionally, just huge emotional floods. So they mentioned a little bit about, or a lot about, <laughs> um, the value of timeouts. And different other tools that you can Yep. And Kathy, Kathy gives some uh, perspective on what happens when you don't allow yourself and your partner, spouse, um, you know, like a pause on the conversation for a time. Um so yeah, just you're, you're, I think you're gonna like that section because she gives some really good tips on why that's a good idea when you're trying to avoid contention. Um, around the 25 to 30 minute mark, listen for some points that Jeffs gives about um, like not allowing you and your spouse to get to the point where it's just not safe to talk about a certain issue anymore. You just can't do it. Like he he talks about how to avoid that. So. Pay attention to that part. Um, I mean, I've been to that point up in Canada, which I'll maybe mention more in, uh, when the episode's over and really connection to what Jeff says. Um, what do we also talk about? Making sure we don't have unvoiced expectations, mm -hmm. you know, um, so that there's, you know, less of an opportunity, um, even falsely so, to be acted upon. And ours include the Lord. Um, they do talk a lot about um, praying before coming back. So after you've had that time out, maybe pray while you're having yeah. that I remember, time out. I remember Jeff telling and praying you, before you come yeah. back in, or praying together before starting that conversation again. Yeah, Jeff so was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." <laughs> to, good idea. Um, because he sometimes you need a mediator <laughs> to yeah. filter through the emotions. So and the situation so it's best to do it with the spirit yep. i know that's helped us oh yeah yeah i mean there's yeah just so much good about that um one last thing before we um get started um also around the uh, probably the 35 to 40 minute mark um something they talk about is uh finding out what feels natural to you and maybe making that not feel natural anymore <laughs> um that, you know, as the, their scripture says, um, or talks about, like, it kind of, well, it kind of, I shouldn't say it, this, it's not in the actual verse from what I remember, but the idea that the natural man is an enemy to God. Um, but the challenge they give, watch for that one too, about uh, overcoming fears and pushing past them. So anything else you need it, want to add? No, enjoy and imply. Yes, and apply. Apply what they yeah. teach. Yes. This is, 
it's a lengthy one here as this interview but uh, a lot of good stuff here so here we go all right so for this episode we have um a season two revisit with uh jeff and kathy tell me how to say your last name again Tigers. okay okay i keep my, my brain keeps wanting to go tikert but i'm like that's probably not right you would be correct <laughs> So I'll introduce me, you introduce you, and then you can introduce both of us if you want with the organization. Well, I'm Jeff Teichert, uh, the husband of this beautiful woman that only you can see. And uh, I am an assistant attorney general for the state of Utah uh, in the constitutional defense and special litigation division. And uh, I also have a background uh, educational background with a bachelor's degree in family science and I'm a certified life coach through the Foundation for Family Life of Utah where I also serve on the board. I am Kathy Butler Teichert, married to Jeff Teichert and I am a certified Suzuki violin teacher as well as a, a musician violinist with Strings of Elegance. Uh, I've played for hundreds of weddings along the Wasatch Front over the last 20 years. And I usually have about 25 students in my studio. And with the heart of a teacher, I moved forward into getting certified as a life coach with Jeff. I also have a university degree in family life. And um, together, we wrote the book Intentional Courtship, A Mid-Singles Guide to Peace, Progress, and Pairing Up. That's awesome. I forgot that, I remember you mentioning uh, your work with like in the, within the legal system, Jeff, but I totally forgot about the life coach thing. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's new since we were on your show before. Oh, that's why. Okay, like it seems new to me, but maybe it wasn't. I wasn't sure. So <laughs> we decided since we're having an opportunity to speak with so many mid singles, it would be good to gain some skills there. And we both have some educational background and interest in relationships and family life and. And, uh, and we wrote a book on it, so um, we thought that would be a good thing to do. That's awesome. So Yeah, we both also have university degrees in family and consumer science and human development, so... Nice. Clit's kind of close to that, yeah? It, it's... Yeah. It, I have Utah State's version of BYU's, what they, what they got. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I went to Utah State. She does, too. Oh, Okay, yes. And I have BYU's version. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, hers is a, is a family consumer in human development, yeah? Right. Okay. B- Utah and State. When I was at consumer. BYU, it was just called Family Science. Yeah. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool beans. I've actually been... It was heavy on family psychology and relationship oh. interaction. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. I've actually been considering going back to school myself recently, but only because of a prompting of the spirit that totally threw me for a loop the other day. I'm like... It's like I passed one of the schools in uh, Salt Lake County, and it's like you should go there. I'm like, wait, what? I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about this. Like it wasn't even on the on the table. I'm like, uh, okay. Text to Clint, like, honey, we gotta talk. Because <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since I've been to any higher education. So yeah, but uh, I have to just pour you through it too. Yeah, we'll figure that out sometime. Help wake your mind up and <laughs> open it to all sorts of new ideas and yeah, absolutely. See what happens. Well, together um, we wrote "Intentional Courtship: A Mid Singles Guide to Peace, Progress, and Pairing Up," which is now currently on Amazon. Yeah. 
available in ebook and hardback. And we created an organization called Love in Later Years. And the acronym for that is Lily. And so everything we've created for Love in Later Years is Lily everything. Lily Publishing, Lily Pod, Lily Coaching. Um, because we're both certified life coaches. That's our program uh, for that. And also our podcast, Lily Pod, our YouTube channel, Lily Two. Uh, we also have Lily Gems on our website at loveandlateryears.com where Jeff, uh, all of best, the best writing that Jeff does on our Facebook page is, is there with uh, pictures. It's beautiful. And I mean, it's like a whole free book online right There's there. like 170 articles or something like that. And we That's also awesome. send out a weekly Lily letter to our subscribers and they're really enjoying that. Cool. You wow. believe I get that? Maybe. I get something oh, from maybe. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, we're having a lot of fun. We've been doing Love in Later Years for over a year now. And uh, it's exciting to now have our book out and over a thousand followers in our Facebook group. Um, it's ex- And it, we're getting together for the first time tonight to uh, to get to know people in person. And that's going to be really awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, one other fun little fact is intentional courtship went as high as number 13 in LDS books on Amazon. On the bestseller list. So awesome. we officially have an Amazon bestseller. Wow. It's not at 13th today, but it was at 13th <laughs> at, at one point. That's awesome. Good heavens. I, I'm like, okay, I, I need to like refresh myself with all this here, like online, because it's, yeah, it's just been a while. So. Yeah, yeah, we've been busy and adding a lot of really great free content for the mid singles we love and and serve. That is so cool. Yeah, I like. I remember when Colette and I met. I was like, I mean, because when when Lorraine died, I was like, um, okay, don't know how this works now. Like, I I told her the first like when she's like, can we take this slow at first? I'm like, <laughs> I'm just toe dipping here, I man. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, sure. Until you know. Lorraine came along and spoke to both of us in our hearts. Uh, actually, you guys need to pick it up a little bit. Um, okay. Sure. Yeah, well, we totally understand that deer in the headlights. <laughs> what you're talking about where, wait a second, I haven't dated anybody but my, in your case, uh, former, not former, but um, deceased spouse for, you know, however many years. And for me, it was... You know, when I first went out on a date, I guess it had been, you know, 17 or 18 years since I'd been out with anyone besides my former wife. And that can be a really intimidating thing. I mean, we use cell phones a lot in dating now, and cell phones didn't exist when I was dating my first wife, you know? <laughs> um, there, were no, there was no such thing as the internet, let alone, you know, online dating. And so, you know, we, uh, we've, we both really wished that somebody had written a book to mid-singles, not only about dating, but, okay, how do I rediscover my identity as the single person now? You know, how do I operate in the church uh, without my spouse because we're so family-oriented? I mean, there were so many things like that. that Even just... without a previous spouse, I can relate to that. Uh, once you yeah. reach, thir- like, that 31, when you get kicked out of the YSA awards, you're like, now what? I don't fit in a family ward, and I, the, what the single adult ward is, 
okay, but it's weird, more awkward. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. every, everybody's got baggage, right? So. <laughs> People or a talk story about to how church is a fashion show and you know, yeah. um, how how it's that it feels so competitive sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. even I remember like the, the mid singles where I was in for a few months when I got back to the states, like. I was so, so happy that, like, when Colette and I were, like, we, we, when we met up for the first time, because I'm, like, I, I realized how quickly, like, we could be so safe and vulnerable with each other. And, I'm like, I'm thinking there's not one person I've met in the world I'm in now who I can feel this safe this quickly with. Everyone there just, like, it, it feels like this has to be this stupid guessing game of, okay, who who's dating who and who's ready to date and who's not. And it's, like, this is dumb. Can we just talk with each other? And my like, biggest problem was knowing who was taken, who wasn't. <laughs> yeah, right. it's all a big mess. So because yeah. once you're there's engaged, about, it's very clear. <laughs> you know, there's something about getting thrown back into the dating world that feels a little juvenile, right? Yeah, definitely. Totally. Wow. Anyway, we're hoping to shift that with intentional. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely put links to um, everything we can in the description yeah. for this one. So. Um, well, so let's, if, if I may getting, kind of getting started with your scripture for this episode, um, for our listeners, it's second Nephi, uh, two twenty six and 27. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask you guys, um, for both of you having been in multiple marriages, you know, I'm sure both of you have seen numerous ways uh, in which people, men and women, uh, allow themselves to be acted upon by letting their emotions and actions of others control their own behavior. Um, so can you give us one example, more, more, many more if you like, <laughs> uh, of how acting for yourselves in relationships has had a freeing effect on you? Sure. Well, one thing that I we point out and teach about this a lot, but virtually every mid-single we've gotten to know well, whether it was through dating or just social interaction, both genders uh, in the church comes to that mid-single situation with some trauma. And it could be the trauma maybe that of losing a, a spouse uh, to, to death. It could be, we often think of trauma being like a big car accident or, you know, a soldier in battle that loses um, people in their platoon or whatever. Uh, right before their eyes and, and they're traumatized by that. And those certainly will give a person PTSD and their, their significant traumatic events. But there are also little traumas that we suffer. Like let's suppose while your marriage is, is struggling for 10 or 15 years, every time you go to kiss your wife, she turns her head to avoid it. Well, oh, I, I've had that up in Canada. This Lorraine's PTSD plus my history of addiction, that happened a lot. And it, it, yeah, it sucks. That can be traumatic. And that, yeah, that little trauma, it may not be something where you're falling on the floor crying about it, but it hurts within yourself. There's a rejection that goes with that. And that builds up over time. It stores trauma in your mind and body. Mm -hmm. And so you come into marriage. And so if, if I go to, you know, say I had that situation and I go to kiss Kathy and she turns her head, not because she doesn't want to kiss me, but because she's got fresh lipstick on. 
and she doesn't want to smear it, well then I may instantly react to that and feel this gripping fear. Oh no, here we go again, you know? Yeah, so along with the trauma comes a bunch of triggers. And, you know, I wanted to say that if you're 40 and not yet married, there's probably also some trauma that built up over time from rejection in the dating scene, right? Yep. Um, but I do think divorce itself can be like a car wreck. I mean, that can yeah. feel very yes. dramatic. Semi-wreck. Yeah, this episode <laughs> we had in season two, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the one with uh, Brandon Hart, but, uh, you know, his story about his wife, just all of a sudden, like, after this wonderful, happy family reunion, just comes to him, just seemingly out of the blue, um, I don't love you anymore, I haven't loved you for a while, I want a divorce. And it's like, you know, just, all it takes sometimes, is I think, is some people just saying one little thing that ends up being a huge thing, you know? Changes your whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can also happen in uh, the mid-single community with breakups, really bad breakups. You know, when you've been with someone for a long time, you have hopes and dreams for a future that doesn't happen. Yeah. That can be really difficult, too. I remember seeing my former wife's signature on the divorce petition, and I actually stumbled onto it. It didn't come in the mail or anything. I I happened to see it because it was sitting on the counter at my in-law's house. And I remember, I knew we were seriously headed that way and whatever, but I saw her signature on that and it was so familiar to me. I'd seen it, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times over our marriage. And so seeing that, oh, wow, my wife has actually formally signed her name to this. That she doesn't want me anymore. And there was a huge, that was a huge trauma to me. Yeah. Wow. Well, and... Uh, Paul, you've been through this. You lost a spouse to death, and that, that's another traumatic experience. And, and I guess it depends on how long you're letting go of them. I mean, with cancer, that could be prolonged and chronic. Um, sometimes it can yeah. happen in an instant, like and Lorraine a had, or something. Yeah, Lorraine had, like, like people ask, who's a cancer? I'm like, ah, pretty much everything but. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I think Paul's original question was about how... Um, acting versus being acted upon yeah so we can be acted upon by our traumas through those triggers and so on and it requires a certain amount of intentionality to to live life and manage those things and you know we may take intentional efforts to go get emdr therapy or something like that for for those traumas too but i guess the point is like if i go to kiss Kathy and she turns her head because it's she just wants to save her lipstick and I am instantly triggered by that because you know if I had that in a previous marriage using that example again if I you know I have to do a certain amount of self-talk talking myself down off the ledge okay this doesn't mean she doesn't want to kiss me because usually she does when I go to do that this is new lipstick. That's it. And so, well, which is actually assuming good intent in your partner. So, if you come into the relationship with trauma and you have these triggers, then being able to do that self-talk is giving grace to your partner and assuming good intent for them mm-hmm. and their actions. Yeah, I think a lot of time with Colette. I'm glad you mentioned that too. With Colette and I, there's, um, and please feel free to put what you want to this, honey, as well. But uh, there's. 
there's always been like from day one with us, there's been a level of, um, no, I am not going to let this play out in my head. I'm going to mention it straight up right away. And we're going to talk about this because we can. Um, and we've developed a habit of if someone's hurt by something like, what was that? It was it maybe a few months and a few weeks into our dating. I think it was maybe we were headed somewhere and I had said something about connected with the ice cream we got that I didn't mean in a bad way, but you know, it triggered some things for Colette and I love the way she responded. She's like, kind of sat there quiet for a second. She's like, no, 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 we share feelings. We're sharing feelings here. And then she just told me, Hey, this is how I just felt about that. And she's like, I love the fact that she's like, I'm not going to hold this in. We are going to air it out right away. We're going to talk about this. We're going to figure it out and not let our feelings get in the way of, you know, Oh, well this triggers me. And so, Oh, this is, this is hurtful. I'm going to hold on to this. No, it's like, is there a kinder way to say hash it out? <laughs> well, know? if you can't hash it out or, or, you know, talk it out or whatever, uh, if you can't do that, oftentimes the person who felt inwardly hurt by something will hold on to that meaning. When if they would have talked about it, the other person would say, oh, no, no, wait a minute, honey. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. You yeah. Know? And and here. So two things I'm going to say about that is one, this requires some intentionality too, some acting rather than being acted upon. Uh, that is, if somebody if your partner explains their meaning, they are the master of their own words. So you don't get to come back and fight with them about what they really meant. No, I could tell by the way you were looking at me that you really meant this. <laughs> or, you know, come back at them and say, no, no, I heard exactly what you said and you said this. And and now you're trying to weasel out of it. You know, nope. If, if your partner makes a repair attempt, accept the apology if they give one accept the meaning that they give their own words just i mean you got to adopt it as a fundamental value my partner is the master of her own words or his own words yeah and when they explain them with a, a softer kinder meaning than i was attributing it to before to it before i need to internalize and accept the meaning they're giving it. Yeah, it's like they're, they're trying to correct something. Let them, you know? Like right. With, with uh, Colette and I, I, I think there's a lot of the time where once in a while we have to make a few attempts at it too. Um, sure. Where, you know, like, more often me because of my Asperger's, but <laughs> I'll say something <laughs> and, um, you know, the Colette will say, oh, this came off this way. And I'm like, Okay. Um, no. Um, let me try that again. Words. Um, what are they here? Uh, and like that, that. Actually, that that very phrase. Sometimes we'll be like, like even praying with each other, and we kind of will pause for a second. And can you please help us? Um, okay. Um, words. Let's find them, um, and then we'll continue. <laughs> right. And you know, when, when you know, I love that you mentioned that whole you know trust each other's intent because you know the, the mind reading thing. It it doesn't work. Well, and no, it, it, it causes a lot of pain and misunderstanding. Yeah, I just, I, I just know from past experience that you know there's those triggers that happen, like you're talking about, and how that you have to kind of step back sometimes because other people may have those not well-meaning intentions. So it's learning when it's well-meaning and when it's not. 
Um, so I actually have another idea for this very topic with in terms of intention and not being acted upon is that when we're triggered, sometimes we get flooded emotionally. And if our heart rate goes up because of that, um, there's something to keep in mind. And that is that the Gottman's research is that a hundred percent of the problems discussed when your either partner is emotionally triggered, guess what the percentage? And by t- emotionally triggered, he, he literally means over a hundred beats per minute in your heart rate. And it's not like you have to stop and take your heart rate. You know when you're triggered. You know when you're emotionally flooded and you can't hardly think straight. A hundred percent of those problems cannot be solved. So there's no point in talking. There's absolutely no point in hashing it out at that moment. At that moment, yes. Now, you still want to come back together, but at that moment, you want to call a timeout. Yeah. Because you want to, to, to stop yourself from doing damage when you cannot think straight. Yeah. I think a lot of times, even simple observations, <clears throat> like just like looking at the situation with, like without speaking at all and just kind of watching what's happening can help a lot too. Like Colette did fantastically the other night for me with that. I didn't even remember what she had said. And I, the thing is, in my, my the, you know, front of my brain, like my heart's like, okay, I know she didn't mean it this way. But just the words that she said, like, felt that. It, 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 like, it's the first it's the second I'm like, okay, I know how my heart wants to feel about this, but my brain is saying, whoa, 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 common sense here. And she was fantastic at the observing thing because the second she saw me on the bed, which I, I, honestly, I didn't even clue into this until she had said it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I do kind of do that. She's like, oh, no, you're in fetal position on the bed. Oh, no, you're triggered. I'm so sorry. Let me explain. And I'm like, Ooh, she's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, so I just like, you know, I, I love that she like, in both of us, I, I know, sometimes I feel like, I think I can do that right sometimes where when Colette gets really quiet or her responses get very short to questions I ask, I'm like, okay, she's feeling triggered by something. 90% of the time, like, okay, it's probably not me. Something in the kitchen or something somebody said, something different than me. And most of the time I'm right. And I'm like, okay. Um, two things that usually help help with this: just hug her without saying anything, um, or ask when would you like to discuss what's bothering you, or something like that. You know, and it usually works. So, like, <laughs> That's such a perf- both perfect examples of the acting in in your best interest and in the best interest of your partner and your relationship. That is amazing. So, I mean, I that reminds me of. Uh, something a couple of weeks ago, Kathy got triggered and she knew she was triggered. She knew that what she was thinking was um, a little bit out there, but she was still, you know, reacting to something in her past. And, uh, and I said, you know, what are you afraid of? And I put my arms around her and, you know, we got, we breathed through that moment. And then later, you know, we were able to, to uh, figure out what we're going to do. And it was really pretty easy. Um, But it was about an issue that she and a former spouse had had some issues with. And, uh, um, you know, so she was jumping to conclusions about something. And, you know, she knew she was doing it. But it's still, because of of the trauma, was a difficult moment. And one thing I would say, I I don't know if you've, if either of you ever watched How I Met Your Mother... 
Um, I, I've seen clips of it. Marshall and Lily had this thing <clears throat> where either one of them could say pause, and their discussion would would pause at that moment. And they would go on. What was so funny about it is they would go on and talk about all sorts of other things. I mean, they'd be so mad, and then they'd just be even kill, right? And so their timeouts were actually okay, we're putting this problem aside and we're going to continue like it never, it, it's not a thing. And then, and then they'd unpause right. when they're ready. They were ready to talk. Well, and so, the Gottmans actually say that's a good idea. Like they'll say if, if you are triggered and you, you call timeout, it may, it's not literally the silent treatment or, you know, and it's not for that. It's not punitive, obviously. Um, although it could be silent. If you right. have to go off and you have self-soothe, like if it's, you just really can't deal with anybody yeah. right then. Yeah, as long as it doesn't get to like the stonewalling thing, that's what's unhealthy. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's supposed to help prevent that. But if you say, you know, time out, and then you think, I got a couple of things to pick up at the store or whatever. Hey, I'm run-, you just say to your spouse, hey, I'm running to the store, uh, anything you need me to pick up. Right. So and, like and kind of normal kind of take on life you know, continue with normal life until yeah. you unpause or you take that. Yeah, and, the, I, and and you come back after that timeout. And when we, whenever we do it, and we're not taking timeouts every day, you know, it's, I don't know, once a month or something like that. You know, it, it varies, but, but uh, if we have a timeout, when we come back, we start with prayer to sort of set the discussion on a different footing. Yeah, Clint and I've done that once in a while too. Is, so, uh, just I was going to say that when we come back together after a pause, it builds trust that we're going to work it out, that it's going to yeah. get worked out, and that makes the timeout itself, I think, more effective. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it keeps our relationship, but us trusting in our ability yeah. to work yeah. it out, even if it can't be right that moment. And it sounds kind of like like. Kind of going back to the, you know, how does, you know, acting instead of being acted upon help become, become free, it, it kind of sounds like, you know, the direction it's going is the freedom comes in when you realize that acting instead of being acted upon puts you in a spot where you're free to resolve problems more efficiently without yeah, having the same, damage. yeah, where you're, you know, you're, you're able to resolve things without having the same crap come up over and over and over again. It's like, you're not running in a hamster wheel going nowhere, you know? And including the yeah. Lord in the process of, of that healing yeah. through prayer and grace. I, I think... Sorry, Colette, I wanted to hear the last thing. Oh, said. just the, the including the Lord so that the Lord mm. would be included in the healing as you start Exactly, prayer. and I think, I think that prayer before restarting is, is a good idea, something to consider um, for that reason. What I was going to say, uh, along with what we've been talking about, is that uh, we also have a, a middle, sort of a middle policy where if one of us notices that we're starting to talk faster or talk over each other or whatever, either person can say, slow down. And, and then what we're supposed to do is take a big, deep breath and take turns and and that hopefully helps us uh not need the time out because we don't get to that point of where we just can't talk anymore about it yeah and that, so 
that that's sort of a middle measure. But the thing I'm trying to illustrate and that we're trying to illustrate with this, I think is um, it's the same as with, like you tell your kids uh, when they're offered drugs, they need to have decided already before they're in that situation with the pressure on of their peers or whatever, what they're going to say if they're offered drugs or if somebody says, hey, I got a magazine, let's look at porn or whatever, you know, um, come over, look at my, what I found on my phone. We, we tell our kids, know the answer before you're in that high pressure situation. <clears throat> Same thing with our own high pressure situations. If we say, ah, oh, we'll figure it out when the time comes, <clears throat> that's not very intentional. Oh my and gosh. When you're in the heat of the moment, you're not in a position to think straight yeah. about figuring it out. And so the question is, are you going to govern your relationship with intention or emotion? Yep. And if you govern it with emotion, you know, that's a hot mess. <laughs> um, Amen. And, uh, and I'm not saying emotion doesn't play into it. You've got to care about each other's feelings. But when you're both just emotionally overloaded, that's not going to work. Yeah. Me and Kathy, we could fight all day long or all night. Oh, if we've we got just, it in us. We've got it in us to do that. <laughs> um, to, to literally, you know, have, have a fight that lasted hours and hours and hours. And, you know, you say horrible things to each other and you threaten divorce. And, you know, you... and. We just prefer to live our lives without that. Right. And and sometimes those a fight that could have gone on all night long over some stupid little slight that somebody misinterpreted or whatever, we can <clears throat> call time out, go away, come back in half an hour, and solve it in five minutes. Totally. And, and without all of the drama and the fighting and the you See know, this I love that you're mentioning this because like, the more you talk I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I been there, done there, got the T-shirt kind of thing. Like, right. number of times up north where, you know, like grateful that Lorraine and I are, you know, in better situation now with her not being limited by her mortality anymore. But, like, there were so many times that, like, I, remember, I can actually very specifically remember one night where you know you mentioned the fighting for hours and hours. It went on all night long, and yeah. I don't remember all the details, but I remember it was over. So both of us had blown something up over, get this, a dirty dish cloth. Right. And it had just gone into this overnight, like, hours and hours, screaming, yelling, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, it, it, it was just horrible. And it's like, the only way to get out of those kinds of things, we both, you know, it, we'd acknowledge to each other, we'd say, the cycle's got to stop. You know, the acting for yourself has got to happen somewhere. So I, I love that, you know, you talk about need to find what is going to make it so that the trigger is stopped before it gets to the blowing point. And I talked about that in the marriage course that we had to take before yep, yep. we got married. I forgot about that. So huh? it can potentially <laughs> create freedom from contention in yeah. your most significant relationship. Yeah. And um, also being able to address those unrealistic expectations that aren't being met. Mm -hmm. And that's something I, I like that you mentioned that, honey, because um, Colette was actually very brilliant to actually word it that way for both of us very on, early on. She's like, um, I mean, even in early, like first few months of our marriage, um, I would find myself doing exactly that. And she would be like, 
you know, at, at the end of our discussion, she'd say, was there like an unmet expectation you didn't voice? And like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I just thought it and I never said it out loud. And then I got upset for something stupid that I never even said. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. You can't do if if I don't know what's... Yeah. yeah. You're right. I mean, if you, if, you, if you haven't communicated what it is you want, um, it's... <laughs> you know, I, I heard my mother one time, and this isn't a particularly personal example, but I remember her saying that she told my dad during a discussion once that she wanted a... Uh, him to be more romantic and more, you know, and many women feel this way. But she said, uh, she told my dad, said, Well, how would I do that? And she said, Well, bring me a rose sometime. So the next day, he brought her a rose. And she thought, Well, but if he didn't think of it, then, you know, <laughs> it's almost like I asked him for a rose and he says, Okay, here's your rose. And she didn't really receive it as him trying and making an effort to give her what she wanted. I mean, and men are kind of straightforward like that. You know, it's like they're going to give you what you ask for. Uh, and uh-huh. In the best way they know how. Uh-huh. And then you have to figure out how to receive that in a way that is, you know, mm-hmm. assuming good intent, like yeah. Kathy said. Like at the beginning with us, Colette... Um, I felt kind of bad because um, someone else had suggested to me, well, you know, Bridalville Falls is a good place if you're going to propose. And so without telling her where we were going, I took her out there one time. And I remember the drive out there. She she kind of bowed her head and just kind of said a quick prayer out loud. She's like, oh, God, thank you. He listens. And I kind of felt bad in that moment because I'm like, Actually, this was because, and I, I told her that like, a, like what was it? A few days later, maybe it was in her apartment building. Like, I'm so sorry, I felt bad, and I wanted you to know, like it wasn't just me. Like, I, I'm weak like that. I don't remember things very well, but I'm glad it was good for you. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I'm glad it meant something to you. But and she's like, oh well, thank you for being honest. But it was still great, and I'm like, oh okay, good. Like, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's. Is there anything you, I, I want to kind of switch topics, and we talked well, about relationships after you. Let me say one. Wrap up. Let me say one more thing okay. about that. Sure. It's funny that Paul mentioned something about a dirty dish towel or something like that. Well, I remember when I was married to my second wife, there was this incident where I I used two washcloths while I was cleaning the kitchen counter, and the reason is sometimes I like to to make one of them more wet, and you know. And clean it up the best I can and then dry it with the clean one to get it cleaner. So I was doing that. And my, my then wife, not Kathy, um, can, you know, why are you using two washcloths to clean this? You know, and I tried to explain and she kept cutting me off and breaking in and um, getting all upset. And I, I, would, and I said, look, I'm, I'm cleaning the kitchen counter, you know. She's sort of going on about how I'm making more work for her because she has to wash a second washcloth. And I remember this stupid fight started over something really dumb. And it went on and on and on. And she kept talking about how I was making more work for her. And we should have had a timeout policy, but didn't really understand that at the time. And, and uh, I remember saying at one point, you 
you have put forth enough effort in this fight tonight to do seven lifetimes worth of dishcloths in the laundry. And, um, but it's, it's amazing how, you know, I mean, she's feeling upset because I don't care enough to not make work for her. I'm thinking, what do you mean? I'm cleaning this counter so you don't have to. I'm less work for you. And you're talking completely past each other. You're angry, you know. And ultimately, that was the reason that marriage ended is because um, she got angry. She could go from zero to 60 really fast over nothing. And then it was on. And you either fought back or got run over. And the thing is, that is totally being acted upon. Um, it, it is being governed with emotion and not intention. And when we emphasize intentional relationships, we're saying you need to make agreements. And this is true in dating as well as marriage. We practice it in dating before we get married. But we make agreements. Okay, what are the potential trouble spots in our relationship? How are we going to deal with those when they come up? What's our policy going to be? Mm -hmm. And then you have to be true to that. And you have to... to um, you have to stick to your agreements because uh, that's the way you're going to avoid being acted upon and, and being able to act affirmatively in a way that is healthy. Because if you just do what comes naturally, I mean, the natural man is an enemy to God. <laughs> and that anger that we're talking about and other emotions that are really disruptive to us, um, that's, that's the natural man. And we're here to learn how to manage that. Right. Um, and in, in relation to what Jeff was saying, I also had a second marriage that was explosive. And my partner could go from, you know, the zero to 100. Um, he was a very sensitive person. And I could tell that he was going into his childhood trauma every time. Mm. And it really had nothing to do with me. And so I couldn't fix it. And yet it was always blamed outside of himself. And I actually learned the importance of timeouts in that marriage in that I tried to take them and he wouldn't honor them. And so when I intentionally dated after that, um, that was some of what I was looking for was emotional control and a willingness to to set aside problems and save the relationship by by being wise about when and how we discuss things. So, um, yes, definitely uh, there wasn't freedom there to do that with a partner who wouldn't cooperate. With. Yeah, I like what you said that actually kind of leads into the next question I wanted to ask you guys, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, it kind of began to answer it already, but there's more we can discuss about it too. Um, the next one is with the, the phrase, like the, the whole, he's given us everything that's expedient, right? Right. Um, and of course, marriage is not the only relationship that requires acting for ourselves. And you know, since in verse 27, we're taught that we are given all things which are expedient. Um, we're given everything we need to make wise choices. What would you say um, are a few of the those expedient things um, that God has given us, you know, to help us find and create healthy relationships with, you know, well, anyone that are that are that are underused? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, let me go. Okay. This is one of my favorite topics uh, in our Lily coaching practice, and we glad uh, I nailed it. <laughs> On LilyPod, we actually, on episode 11, we talk about our F-SIBO model. And it's, our, it's our what, sorry? 
SIBO model. Okay. F C F S E E B O. Okay. And that's those stand for separating out the facts from the, your stories. Your stories is your interpretation or judgments of the facts. And then the energy and emotion that flow from the stories we tell about the facts. And then <clears throat> ultimately our behaviors and our outcomes come from the energy and emotions that we carry based on the stories we're talking about the facts. And so if you want to change the outcomes of your life, uh, most people just go back to behavior and they just think, or oh, I'll just, or yeah, um, the, I want to change my circumstances or I want to change a behavior. Um, but really the power is in changing the stories um, that we're telling. And most of the things we think are fact are not. They're oh my gosh. If I can real quick, sorry, so, I love that you say that. Sorry, it just, it reminds me of this episode in The Flash where, um, and I think it's season five, I think, where their daughter Nora comes back from the future and they're, they're investigating her memories of her childhood. And they're, you know, they're kind of, they, they go into her, one of her memories and she remembers it as her mother coming into this, the, the, you know, the Flash Museum of her dad who's, who's been gone for years um, in this memory and like the way she remembers it is her mom comes in and says, what are you doing here? You know, you shouldn't be here alone and takes the, the flash action figure doll and she has and throws it on the ground and, you know, gets all reprimands her and they walk out. But then they find out that's just the story she's been telling herself and that the real right. memory is no, her mom says, Oh, I'm so sorry you're hurting. Like, let's, let's talk about this, you know? Right. Well, and Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol, it, he goes back in time and realizes that all the thoughts he had about the situation with the girl are completely different than he remembered. And so uh, I I believe that we can move forward in our lives after a divorce or a, or being widowed um, or, you know, having never been had the opportunity to get married with these bitter feelings of I have there's no hope for me or my life is over. Um and these are stories we can tell ourselves that then, I mean, how is our energy going to come from that? I mean, we're going to feel depressed. We're going to, um, we're going to be down in the dumps. We're not going to feel effect like we could be effective or do anything about it. And so then our behavior is we don't. And so, um, <sighs> this FCBO model is really kind of the underlying current of everything we teach, which is, um, taking responsibilities for how we're seeing things and is what the way we're seeing it in our best interest. Is it, is it empowering us and elevating our emotions or dragging us down? I, I would like to lend a little bit of scriptural support to what Kathy's just explained. Doctrine and Covenants 93 has a very curious verse. I love that section. And, Please do. <laughs> And truth is knowledge of things as they are, and as they were, and as they are to come. And whatsoever is more or less than this is the spirit of that wicked one who was a liar from the beginning. And how does he lie to us? He lies to us by adding to the truth that, that we know. So um, it's the stories we tell about things that are true it's the interpretations, the judgments we put upon those things. And if you think about it, in the, the example I gave of 
that silly argument with my second wife, it's not about two dishcloths. It's about all the things going on in her head and in my head about what that means. It's the meaning that, that we're attaching to it that's causing all the problem. Invented offense. Where does offense. that come from? It comes from the adversary. Yeah. Because he wants to create contention. He wants us to be miserable. And God loves us and men are that they might have joy. And so in order to create joyful feelings and emotions and create a life on purpose with behaviors that lead to joyful outcomes, we need to be telling the stories that are true. And the most true, like the most true interpretation of the facts are going to be in harmony with God wanting us to be yeah. I love that you put up section 93 there too, Jeff, because when you talk about underused, underused thing what's the phrasing i used there it was um underused things which are expedient those things he's given us that we need to help us find that you know healthy relationship with anybody like going to the source of all truth you know to the scriptures to the lord and asking like when Clint and i were first engaged we were thinking okay temples are closed um we don't know when the temples are gonna open back up oh wait a minute god does let's ask him you know same thing can apply, and it worked. You know, we, we got the date of May 22nd. Our families were like, oh, are you sure? It's like, uh, the Spirit told us, yes, we're not going to come up with a backup plan. And it worked, you know. I you know two weeks before we were sealed, the temples opened back up. So Payson was one of the first 17, and we're like, hey, told you. So, you know, go to the Scriptures, go to the Lord. He knows the person better than you do, for our listeners. And, you know, you ask him, okay, what, what did they mean by this? If they want a timeout, but you want answers now, go to the Lord. Go to the scriptures, you know. Right. That's what, a fantastic underutilized tool for relationships. Or have a dance party. What? What? <laughs> Wait, sorry, what? I said, or have a dance party and then come back to the <laughs> <laughs> However, it works for you. Well, well it works for me. One little interesting like thought about what, what you just said. I think you, about you want answers now. I think one of the lies that Satan often tells us, he puts us into a fight or flight situation where we feel threatened and maybe we're not threatened. Maybe it's a situation like I tried to kiss Kathy and she turns to protect her lipstick, but I'm triggered and I want answers now. Why did you do that? You know, whatever. Um, typically, I mean, I remember even a time early in our relationship where I left her house and got more and more upset uh, as I drove for a little while and was thinking of ways to break up with her. This was all over her um, changing a, a date that we had the next day. Um, and I got, you know, I got three-fourths of the way to where I was going, and I thought, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, I just spent five hours with Kathy. I just met her kids for the first time. This is not rejection. You know, this is a big step. <clears throat> and I just needed sleep the next morning because we'd stayed up late. <laughs> right. Because we'd stayed up late together with which was what I wanted was togetherness. <laughs> and and I remember, you know, I finally I was able to, to give myself some self talk and realize that I was being triggered, that this wasn't about Kathy. And I wanna say though to your listeners if you feel like, <clears throat> if you're dating someone or whatever, and you feel like, I've got to get out of this relationship now, 
Um, I need answers this minute. Anything like that is coming from fight or flight, from being triggered uh, emotionally, because oftentimes, I, I've, I've experienced this numerous times, I'll think, I've got to end this relationship now. And that is very rarely true. I, you know, there's very rarely, unless I'm in some sort of physical danger, uh, I don't need to cut some to cut off a relationship right now. I, I can give it, I can sleep on it, I can calm down, I can get my shalom back. Yeah. And then I can make a decision with a heart at peace yeah. rather than in this agitated, disrupted state, which lies to us. And I think sometimes, too, with that, um, you know, sometimes, like, like you probably, like you said, rarely, maybe after you have time to think about it and, you know, calm down, like, pray about it, sometimes you might get the same answer. Maybe you will, sure. the Spirit will say, um, yeah, you are right, but you did need to calm down first and approach it from a different angle, right? Maybe that right. will happen, but, you know, like you said, acting in the moment that you, like, acting in the, the negative emotions, you know, you can feel them, and, like, Colette and I have learned to do this, it's been fantastic. You can feel them and still speak in a way, you know, that, you know, says, you can just use the words to say, hey, I'm feeling this way, without making the tone, oh, I'm going to show them how I feel too. No, just tell them, you know. Right. Calmly. Yeah. And if you can't tell them calmly, take a time out. Yeah. Because <laughs> <later. laughs> yeah. we, we realize that everybody has a breaking point at which, okay, from now on, I'm not going to be able to handle this well um, until I've taken a break and calmed myself down. And by the way, another thought for the listeners, don't spend the time out preparing your rebuttal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In fact, try your best to let go of it. Like, right. like Colette said, go dance or, you know, go on a walk and listen to a podcast to kind of change directions and shift your yeah. mind and your body. Yeah, this one real conference. Disruption. Yep. conference is good too. Yep. 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 And so, the, yeah, the, listen to pleasant music. I mean, whatever you need to do, meditate, pray, you know, what, whatever you need to do to, to restore your shalom. It's like, it's a time for self care. And yep. if you have to do something more productive then just, Pour yourself into that thing and you know allow your mind to just shift something my sister and i started doing was if we were got to that state um especially with some people in our family we would actually we actually like to uh journal it out and then if it's really really negative we either tear it up or burn it because then it right. it takes out that negative emotion then we can come back and actually talk as civilized oh. human beings. So that allows you to act rather than just being active. Uh -huh. And you could yeah. also do an FCBO model in your journal where you put a fact, like, and it has to be a straight up fact. If everyone were to observe it, they'd all see it the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And then separate out your story and then decide what would be a more supportive way yeah. of seeing it. And, and something else that I was told too when I did CBT for a while up in Canada um, was take your thoughts to trial. You know, mm. when you're writing things down, okay, what evidence do you... CBT is great, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what evidence do you... For the listeners, you... that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the clarification there. But like, he would say to me, <laughs> my counselor Otherwise, there... It's like ABC. Like, yeah. What are you talking he'd, about? <laughs> he'd say, sit there and think to yourself, now, hold on a minute. 
how much evidence do you really have to support this statement? Hard brass tax evidence. And like 90% right. of the time it's like, oh, it's just what I, like, it, it, most of the time it really is just what you think. Right. You know, and, and until you dig further, you like almost 100% of the time you're going to find out, oh, like you said, Kathy, I'm just telling myself stories. Right. Yeah, yeah there's usually some kind of judgment in it. Mm-hmm. Well, like if we went back to the story about Kathy when I left her house all upset, you know, I did a little CBT on myself without <laughs> knowing it on the way where I was going to my brother's home, actually. And and then it's funny, the, the next day she texted me and said, hey, are you still in town? Because we lived an hour apart when we were dating. And I said, yes. And she said, because tonight... Um, we have adult state conference and I thought maybe we could go to dinner and go to conference together. And so I was happy about that. You know, wow. You know, they, really, she was not rejecting me, the, you know, um, even though I felt rejected. Yeah, and he it's, put his thought on trial. Um, but then on, on Sunday, I'm feeling good about the weekend I had had with Kathy. A lot of it was with Kathy and, um, and I texted her and said, Hey, you know, you don't even have your kids next weekend. Why don't we, why don't we uh, do something together? And she texted me back and said, well, that sounds great, but my sister is going to be in town, so I need to check in with her on what her schedule is because I don't get to see her very much, and she lives in New York and all this, and instantly I was triggered again. Oh, sure. You know, like that movie, Can't Buy Me Love, Ronald Miller and Cindy Mancini? I'll be washing my hair out of the country, you know. Sure, you got to wash your hair. So, you know, whatever. He even um, questioned whether I had a sister. Oh, yeah, about, maybe my sister is just a made-up excuse. And, of course, that wasn't true. I was like, stop assuming um, people are lying, guys. You know, like, yeah. yeah. And I, I, went, I had an a appointment the next day with my therapist. And so I told her all this stuff, you know, and I said, I realized how irrational I was being in all of these situations where I was triggered. And... This is a wonderful little therapist. She was 28 years old, much younger than me. The first time I met her, I thought this is never going to work. Um, you know, but she turned out she really got me and, and uh, was a tremendous blessing in my life. But anyway, her, her first comment when I told her all this stuff was, seems real, feels real, it's very powerful, and it's lying to you. <laughs> And she told me about cognitive distortions. And cognitive distortions are those stories we tell ourselves that aren't true, but they come from our fears. Yep. I mean, that's, that's what you get. Yeah, like, that's what you get with the news these days. Good heavens. Like, the news, I feel like a lot of the times these days, is like a multiplied exponentially version of an unhealthy relationship. Because what does the entire world do, for example, recently with the, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, right? Everybody is like, oh, this must be this way, this way. Okay, unless you were there, once again, what evidence do you personally really have to support your thought process? If you weren't there, you can't say anything. All well, you have is what the news is telling you. So much we don't know. And even if you watch the videos, because a lot of it was on video, people are still getting different, making different interpretations of yep. what was Kyle thinking in this moment. And, you know, we can, through conjecture, we can guess at it. <laughs> but we can't really know 
and, and that's okay. I mean, you know, the jury's got to try to make those decisions on un, inevitably incomplete evidence. And I, I know this as a lawyer. I mean, uh, all the time, every case I take to court, there's incomplete evidence of what the people's intent was, and they're testifying yeah. about. You, you just can't and, know, hundred percent. You can't. You can't know. But when it's with your spouse, exactly. That's why we have to assume good intent. Why we have to give them an opportunity to explain what they meant, because ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, they didn't mean anything bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's. Well, that's... as humans, we like to feel good, and we like to make other people feel good. <laughs> and I so assuming good intent is actually usually correct. I yep. mean, it's usually more correct than whatever our trigger is telling us. Yep. And. You know, I just wanted to bring up a couple of like, like real life examples of what, how you could even be tricked into thinking that a thought is a fact. For instance, um, let's let's say it's thirty degrees outside, and it's, oh, it's cold. Well, that's a thought about the fact of the temperature, right? Yes. Um, okay, so I mean, yeah, most people might think it's cold, but it's still a thought. It's still just what you're thinking about that. I mean. If you used to live in zero at less than, you know, or negative temperatures, you know, <laughs> 30 might feel fairly warm to you. I mean, it all depends on what you're comparing it to, right? Um, or for that matter, um, I weigh more than 150 pounds. Like, that's a judgment because I'm putting a more than with a number. Like, you know, the only fact would be what I weigh at this moment in time like the gravitational pull on my body on a scale is the only fact, right? That any, you know, cause there's lots of other facts about, or thoughts that I could have about that. I weigh less than 200 pounds. I am overweight. Or well, that means I am overweight or I'm underweight or, you know, whatever. Those are all judgments. They're all thoughts. Um, the only fact would be exactly what you weigh or exactly what the temperature is. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Those are just an example. Right. So yeah, that's, Management of our thoughts is a big part of being successful in a relationship. And, and it's also very freeing. And if I could read a portion of the scripture we chose for this broadcast, it says, because they are redeemed from the fall, that means they is all of us, they have become free forever knowing good from evil to act for themselves and not to be acted upon. And then further down verse 27, wherefore men are free according to the flesh and all things are given unto them which are expedient unto man, the thing Paul was talking about. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil now listen to this part. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. So the, the question I would pose to the listener is, do you want to act and choose your thoughts, and by virtue of doing that, choose your feelings? And choose, your behaviors and your Choose which thoughts and feelings to hold on to. Or do you want to be acted upon by your emotions, your fears, and all that, and be in captivity to those things? Because that is what will make you miserable. Yeah. I actually wrote a, a blog article a while ago. Um, it kind of relates to what you said there about, uh, you know, 
kind of like it's a matter of like in my mind regardless of what you're doing whether you're acting in response to your own will purely or what somebody else says the commercial on TV or a, a movie or advertisement or a billboard um, insurance whatever whoever's telling you suggesting you do something even if it's just in your own head either way you are obeying someone no matter who that someone is you are obeying someone with everything you think say and do so and the bottom uh, line of the, the blog I wrote about this was if, that, if either way you're obeying someone why not make your obedience directed towards the one okay two Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ <laughs> um, you know people who both want to and can give you everything better than you actually think you want like they can give you like oh I want this okay you can have that or you can have something better here's how you get it why not obey somebody who loves you enough to give you the very best and can do so nobody else can do it like them you know so it's like what's the point in obeying anybody else nobody else wants to all the time or can give you everything you need right that's beautiful Paul and uh, the other thing is I don't, I don't think God wants us giving our agency away. It's a precious So he doesn't want what? He, he, he doesn't want us giving our agency away. Oh, yeah, yeah. By thinking these thoughts that aren't intentionally serving us. I, I think he wants us to, uh, to think the thoughts that do serve us and that do lead to more joy. Um, and that's also part of our own, you know, inborn intuition that he's blessed us with. And... Um, I, I, uh, I actually wanted to mention that Intentional Courtship, our book, is broken down into three sections. Um, the first is named uh, Obtaining Peace When You've Had a Serious Loss. Um, first eight chapters, in fact, are Well, creating and maintaining, because you yeah. may not be at peace. Right, creating and maintaining peace. Yeah. Um, because in order to attract a, a healthy partner, we need to be healthy <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. And... And then the progress that we can make in, in dating um, intentionally can come, again, through making sure we're doing self-talk. In fact, it makes it a lot easier to approach someone we're interested in if we understand that their response is their agency and we honor that. And we don't try to manipulate it. And we don't feel bad about ourselves if they choose not yeah. to. Oh, my gosh. There's this guy, um, one of my passengers is an Uber driver. Um, he, I think he was joking with me, but he's like, uh, he was a member of the church, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he was like, man, someone was telling me, oh, those, those, those pretty Mormon missionary girls, and, you know, I was in the back of my head, I, you know, you can see where this is going, but right away my head's like, uh, Latter-day Saint girls, thank you. I didn't say that to him, but <laughs> um, he's like, man, I always, they're, they're so pretty and they're so wonderful, and, you know, but, you know, the guys will joke with me and they'll say, Oh, well, dude, you got to change your life for them, you know, and you watch out because, you know, what one other person was saying, when they judge you, like, when they're talk talking about whether or not they want to be with you, man, it's eternal judgment, so watch out, you know, and and it's, I, I thought, you know, how interesting that there's such this big assumption of, um, oh, if you want, you want to talk to this person, you got to watch out because they're going to want this and that and the other thing, Assumptions, assumptions. I'm like, well, yes, we have high standards, but you know, 
if you're wanting to get to know somebody and like every every piece of advice you guys have given is like you know just kind of flows into this I guess but it's like you get to know somebody and you like honor their choice of how like, the kind of relationship they wish to have it's gonna <laughs> be a little at all if that's what they choose yeah 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 well and then honor your own agency and the choices mm-hmm. you yeah. want to make which then leads to the third section of our book which is pairing up and getting it really intentional about what you're looking for because if you don't know in your mind what you're wanting to create with a future partner you're just going to end up with whoever comes along Mm-hmm. That and being vulnerable, intentionally vulnerable to create connection. Right. Yeah. So, and you can make those risks if you're healthy and you're peaceful inside. Uh, something that my therapist gave me a while back was a, a book called, or told me to read, was Dater, Dater's Soulmate or something like that. Do you know that book? Um, in it, it, it talks about, like, the, it has you do a list of, must-haves, can't-stands kind of thing. And I'm amazed at how many he actually hit. Like, <laughs> there, there's some he, he's... On which list? Uh, on the on the, the must-have list. Like, the, um, the only one he didn't hit is the dance, but that's... that's <laughs> I like to dance, but we've, we have found out since we've been married that my uh, dancing skills are... They are awkward. They, they are very um, teenager at a steak dance skills. And uh, hers, she is more re- refined and professionally experienced than me with that. So, yeah. Well, the good news, Paul, is that those make for viral YouTube videos. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can always do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I, the I, idea of dancing. I'm no good at it either. My, my dancing is kind you know, of... We uh, do carpet dances in our house. Yeah, you know, and I, I like doing. Okay, Mine's a very um, Carlton style. Carpet slow dances are really fun at home. Yeah, yep. we do those pretty often. Yeah, we did that. Um, sometimes we'll do that to like uh, piano music or Christmas music or whatever. And we do the Peter Priesthood, right. but with more sp- less space between. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you guys yeah. so much. Uh, anything else you need to add before we... Well, I wanted to comment briefly on all this, the things Kathy just taught, which I think are... are that is what our book is about. Sure. It's amazing. There's a term I've been using throughout this interview, um, shalom. And this is on the subject of peace. But I've been... For years, I've been sort of looking for a word that really worked for the thing I was trying to describe. And that is that when you feel not just at peace, but but normal, like everything's right with the world, and and we want to live in that space. We don't want to live in a constantly disrupted state or an anxious state. So the word I ultimately came up with is the Hebrew word shalom, which is typically transferred as or translated as peace in English. And it does mean peace, but it means more than that. It's a peace that includes wholeness and restoration. And so the idea of maintaining a state of shalom in yourself, in your heart, it's really about um, 
being able to understand and, and appreciate when you're at peace, when you're in shalom, when you're feeling that sense of wholeness uh, within yourself, and when you're feeling restored, uh, that's we want to be able to understand when we're in that state, and then when we're not, when we're disrupted, when our shalom is disrupted, we need to be able to understand. Okay, I'm not in a state of shalom right now. I'm not feeling a heart at peace, if you prefer, <clears throat> and and. And then have things we know to do to bring our heart back to, to peace. And that is being intentional. Um, so it's not just a matter of I'm going to will myself to always feel peaceful. I mean, none of us are going to be able to, yeah. to white, do White knuckling it doesn't always work. Right. White knuckling it is not going to work. But that's like trying to do the behavior to get a different outcome rather than focusing on the story that can then shift the emotions and energy and naturally flow to your behavior. Yeah, and the beginning of that is awareness. And and that's why I emphasize be conscious and and practice understanding when I am in a state of shalom. Like I can tell you, I'm in a state of shalom right now. Uh, I'm not disrupted. Now I have some things physically going on. I told you about my inner air issue. But I am spiritually and emotionally in a state of shalom and there are moments you know when i'm when i'm not i got a little upset yesterday when i had to wait too long at the doctor's office and i was not in a state of shalom although i i managed myself okay but anyway we we need to practice first being aware what is my emotional state am i in a state of shalom or not am i disrupted or not um, the second thing I wanted to mention with regard to to progressing into dating, um, Kathy talked a lot about our thoughts. Now, you've both been in the mid-singles community, and you've probably seen what we've seen. Go to a mid-singles group on Facebook, and you'll see all these comments from men, for example, that amount to, why won't any woman give me a chance? And you'll see comments from women. Where are all the real men out there and the priesthood holders that honor their priesthood? And you know, they, they, don't, they don't seem to be out there. Mm-hmm. Well, yet you two found each other. Um, and so what I want to say about like there was a comment like that, a very sincere comment from a brother on our <clears throat> page the other day about women have these really unrealistic expectations about the men they date, they have to be millionaires and they have to, you know, he didn't say that, but they, you know, what they expect in terms of career and money and other things. And I, I thought about it and I responded and I said, you know, that's a, I understand that feels intimidating. When I met Kathy, I had just been a couple months before laid off from my corporate job. I was starting a business, but it hadn't gotten anywhere yet, really. I was couch surfing at my parents' house. Um, I had just been divorced for the second time. Now, a woman with really high expectations of you must be a millionaire, you must have a career in a certain place, probably wouldn't have given me a chance. 
but plenty of women dated me during that period. Lots of them. Beautiful, accomplished women. Now, oh, and I didn't mention I was probably 30 pounds overweight when I met Kathy, uh, according to what height weight tables tell you we should weigh, you know. So I, I told this guy, be careful that you're not speaking your own or just reflecting your own insecurities when you make judgments about women. Because I think Kathy, she did want to be married to someone who was ambitious and had a career and all that. And there's a difference between a guy that's down his luck lately, but has a good history of really trying and is trying at the moment to overcome adversity and a guy that just sits home on the couch all day playing video games in his underwear. And, and, and Kathy believed I had potential and she could see that I was trying. And in fact, I told her, I'm not in a position to get married at this time. And if something develops between us, it'll, it'll take some time because I have some financial issues I need to work through and I need to get myself a real income. And, and, uh, two years later we did get married, um, because I was, was very much progressing in in those things but i think sometimes you know if i'm thinking why won't any woman give me a chance and i'm thinking that thought over and over again and every time the subject of dating dating comes up i think why won't a woman give me a chance well how am i going to feel going and asking a woman for a date you're almost going to self-fulfill that prophecy yeah i'm gonna think oh i know you probably don't want to but if you're free Saturday night, you know, at least you're thinking that way in your mind. And and it comes across in your energy because we it, share energy with others. Mm-hmm. And so what we attract and how we interact is affected by all these thoughts we're thinking. Totally. And it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Either I'm a good catch. I may have some issues at the moment that I'm overcoming, but I, I'm doing the best I can. And this woman would be lucky to have me. Or, um, yeah, I know, no one will give me a chance. They don't look on your heart. They only look on the outward appearance or they only look on your bank statement or whatever. Um, The way, the the motives we impute to other people in our thoughts make a big difference in how we're going to see the experience of dating. Something else that reminds me of too is for me... um, and this is one of the main reasons that I fell for Colette so fast when uh, we first started dating was, um, and I told her this so many times, it's like, when, when you find somebody who, regardless of anything, you know, temporal or outward, when you can both become and find someone who in whom others can see the light of Christ, right? Like when Colette first found my Facebook dating profile, she's like, I didn't heart any guys that didn't, I couldn't see the light of Christ in their eyes. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> and the more I saw, like the first night we had, um, that was like an like, official date, I might say. <laughs> um, I had invited her over to play Beat Saber because uh, ironically enough, another date had botched because of work. Um, and at first we just played and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, that's all I felt, right? This is like watching, we're playing together. And 
then we started we started playing and we started talking and the more I could hear the love of Christ and how she spoke and her like her own you know testimony of you know virtue and goodness and honesty blah 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 the more I could see that light in her eyes regardless of whatever other temporal attribute she had everything about her became instantly more attractive it was like yeah, Kathy writes about that in our book it was like a switch that goes off you know and I'm like I went from oh this is kind of fun to have you ever been kissed by anybody not in your family she's like no I'm like do you what, what do you think of that happening tonight or something like that and she had to kind of self check in for a little bit and then I was like okay okay play well just relax okay just be you know gentle persuasion like the Dr. Covenants teaches you know not coercion and like trying to do that finally she said okay that's fine be gentle you know and that they just want to be closer to her like that came so fast when I could see the kind of person she was on the inside instantly everything else was like wow that's beautiful like in every way imaginable so also to our listeners like kind of feeding off of that if you can become someone in whom others can easily see the light of Christ, everything that you think, oh, they want this superficial or that superficial thing, that's all just going to melt right away. It will just be gone, I promise you. Become the person you... You attract the person you are. So if you want someone who's like-minded with the gospel, you become that. Yeah. Like that light, guy who I that, to light, virtue, love of virtue. Yeah, like that guy in my Uber ride who's like, Oh, I'd love a I was telling her, Well, if you want a Latter day Saint return missionary, you're gonna have to do this and this and this and this and this and this, right? You change your life this way. It's the same thing. I, I, I wish I would have told him. If you are willing to in fact I, I did say something along the lines to him of um, if you are willing to make these changes in your life and not just because you want the girl, but because you actually want to become a better person. That's how you're going to get one of them. You want a you know, good Latter-day Saint girl? You want to you know, go to the temple with her? Become the person who wants that for yourself first. Right. And then, oh, just like it was for me and Colette, I was instantly attracted to that out of her. I'm like, that's the kind of person I want. And, and Because I had already done that first myself. Right. Right, definitely. Oh, well, this has been a wonderful discussion. Yeah. I just have like, one thing to wrap up, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So we'd love for your listeners to come and join us at Love in Later Years. and Particularly any mid-singles. Mm-hmm. So pretty much any divorced, widowed, or not yet married um, adults over 30. Because love tends to get more complicated after... <laughs> Both of us are nodding our heads here, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, and <clears throat> Love in Later Years is all about the intention of creating love in our lives. We first start with ourselves and with God, and we invite that love of His into our our soul, and um, and then we branch out from there to create loving relationships. That and hopefully, eventually, it cut leads to you know a term, an eternal companion. And we believe that most people in this life can have that if they are willing to do the work on themselves. Um, what usually gets in the way are those stories that are disempowering, or those thoughts of. I, my life is over and I'm never going to find the right person for me. Or, you know, I failed at marriage before and so, you know, I'm bound to fail again. 
all those thoughts that are so disempowering and keep us stuck are being acted upon. Um, but instead, we can move forward with faith and act according to those desires in our hearts and be willing to trust in the process and trust in a loving God that will guide us. And maybe that's, the, I, a listeners, if you need to go back and rewind, listen to that again. Um, if you guys, unless you have a different idea, make that this episode's challenge for you. Yes. It's a great challenge. Definitely. And, um, and we have this loving community where, you know, people share their concerns and their feelings and their thoughts and everyone gathers around them. Um, we not only speak with mid singles, but also remarried couples, later married couples and blended families. Um, so it's a, it's a wide community of loving support from people who have experienced hardship and are creating love for their later years. Awesome. What, one other quick challenge I would make to any mid-singles out there, follow Paul's example <laughs> when he said to Colette, how would you feel about that happening tonight? Uh, <laughs> that was um, a sweet kiss, first kiss story. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. But, you know, I think a lot of times when we want to ask someone for a date or for a first kiss or whatever, we do what I like to call standing on the edge of the high dive looking down. And that's terrifying. That's what you it know, felt like to me. Yep. I'm like, what if she says no? What if she says no? <laughs> so for singles. But you ran and took a flying leap off the high dive without psyching yourself out, standing there looking down, you know. Um, and I would tell mid-singles, look, we're all afraid. We all have triggers. We're all worried about being rejected. Push past that and do it anyway. Right. So that's our advice or our challenge for singles. And then our challenge for married uh, couples with blended families is to make agreements. Make agreements in your marriage about how you're going to handle conflict and do so with intention and act rather than be acted upon so that you can resolve your conflicts easily with the Lord's help through prayer rather than through emotional flooded um, you know, situations that just cause harm. Yeah. So govern your dating relationships and your eternal relationships yep. with intention, yep. not emotion. Reminds me of uh, what you said there, Jeff. Reminds me of uh, the story of, uh, I forget where I heard this. It might have been in conference. I might be wrong. But uh, where this girl is, you know, her brother's trying to convince her to dive off the diving board at this pool. It's, it's like a not super high dive, but she's scared to dive nonetheless. Right. And uh, she keeps saying, well, I'm scared, I'm scared. And there's this old German lady who's doing laps at the other end of the pool or where the, you know, where the, all the buoys are and stuff with the, with the lap lanes. And she's watching, you know, she kind of is like out of the corner of her eye, like seeing this happening. And finally she gets, she just like, Oh, like she, why would she just do it? So she gets sits up and she stands up in the pool and yells at this girl, fine. And she's like, you know, shakes her fists, be afraid and do it anyway. <laughs> like, that's that, right. That, that's it. You know? If we acknowledge it and then do it anyway, that's perfect. Yep. Act rather than being acted upon exactly. by our fears. Yep. Yes. Well, hey, thanks so much for this. It's been fantastic. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having thanks us Thanks for on the opportunity. Again. It's always fun. Yep. Thanks so much for listening. Wasn't that great? It's a jam-packed with information and tools and tricks and... Galore. So much. <laughs> like, treasures and 
golden nuggets to apply to your life. There's a lot of great one-liners in there too. <laughs> Absolutely. That's like what my dad said when he watched the the movie oh. Home. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's so many great one-liners. That was for comedy purposes. This is for helping you, you know, with your relationships purposes. So Absolutely. And yeah. being able to apply what they have taught us today and shared in their testimonies and also that extra scripture that um that Kathy shares in the beginning that she learns um, the morning we were recording and um, just all the great information that they've provided. So blessed to have had them on our show again. Oh my gosh. And after that night we got to spend time with them and other um That was fun. Yeah. With their, we weren't sure if it was going to work out, but yeah, that was with cool. Their, their book and their their life coaching mm-hmm. or relationship coaching is what I'd like to call it. But yeah, yeah, because that's, that's, it's what it is, you know? Yeah. But uh, just kind of a recap too. Um, just, I, I, I mentioned this in the intro, but um, again, please don't be the person to, you know, not allow like your partner or brother, sister, spouse, whoever it is to take a time out and think, you know, calm down. Um, I've been there. It's horrible. Like you don't want to get to the point, like I mentioned with Jeff uh, in the beginning where you can't talk about something anymore. That happened with Ray and I up in Canada, you know, her PTSD combined with my history of addiction. Like just, you, yeah, you don't, that's an absolutely horrible reality. Trust me. You don't want to go there. You do not want to get to the point where you can't talk about something because it's just no matter what, it's going to be bad. Like that's the kind of suffering in hell like no one on this planet will ever deserve. So yeah, please take the advice of Jeff and, and Kathy. Well, in that respect, he was like I talking know. about getting them. Yeah. <laughs> they both gave great advice. Yeah. Yeah. They please did. Apply. Yes. Um, you know, and if just, you need help, contact them to help you. Yes. Let you know, let them help you. We, you know, it's team effort with Colette and I in the podcast and with them. And we're all trying to make people, uh, how do I put that? Able to, find what they really want in a relationship, you know, and you see where it can benefit you, benefit you with you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, family member, anyone. Um, you know, one of the main points there he also made was to govern your relationships kind of intended with their book title with intention instead of with emotion. You know, I mean, we all have emotions. We care about people. Like he said, um, we're supposed to, it's you know part of the human condition. It's a great, wonderful thing. But when you get flooded and you can't find words properly, like... You can't think straight. Happens with us. <laughs> yeah. you, you just... You can't. Your words are gone. Just... Yeah. It's better to it's, come back. I remember that part. Spend time with the Lord. For yeah. <laughs> I remember that part where Jeff <laughs> and Kathy together, they were just like, oh, believe me, if we wanted to... Yeah, we've got it in us. We, we could fight all night. We, we got it in us. We could do it. But that's stupid. So... Don't. <laughs> and it, you don't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could also incorporate um, what they do in one of my favorite movies, War Room, where you go to the Lord and fight those kind of battles in prayer and oh, then come back and talk about War it. War Room is a great movie. Yes, that would be an excellent one to watch after this episode. Yeah. Um, also, something that I want to point out between the 35 and 40 minute mark, you should remember that the natural man is the enemy to God. That... Sometimes, you know, if you need to make a change in your relationship where what feels natural to you 
does not feel natural anymore. Like the idea is to actually, I was just reading this morning in my scriptures where Nephi says um, that we need to, you know, make a way so that we like what the Lord loves, we love and what is repulsive to him is repulsive to us. Um, so, you know, whatever change you need to make to get to that point where a more holier thing feels more natural to you and more holier behavior thought pattern or way you say something you know make what do what you got to do to make that happen so challenge for the episode just to as a reminder um, they both kind of gave one jeff and kathy if kathy's was move forward to just kind of move forward with faith um partner with the lord as colette mentioned they kind of kind of piggybacked off each other which was cool um to become someone who is at peace with yourself. Like that story, you know, Jeff told about the guy who's, oh, all these women out there are looking for impossible standards with their guys. And, you know, Jeff's response was, regardless of what another woman's standard is for you, for a relationship, if you become someone who's at peace with yourself, you'll automatically attract the right person for you. Exactly. You so. you become the person you want to attract. If like a like like attracts a like yep like yeah. sorry yeah. that sounds really funny. like attract like attracts like yes yeah law of attraction mm -hmm. you you receive what you put out and so make sure you're yeah. putting out that's that a, sounds I, really I, bad. I hope somebody picks <laughs> I, I hope uh, uh some like, portray we, what you yeah, want to, to receive. receive yes i hope someone picks alma 42 because that whole chapter is just full of law of attraction stuff like yeah. karma kind of thing like you the what was it how did they determine in that chapter in the book Roman? i think it's um what you how does it almost say it what you send out returns to you right mm -hmm. um so send you know, out that helped me I, yeah I, I i did a lot of soul searching the past few years prior to meeting paul and here we are like one of the best marriages ever i think the fact that we haven't had a single fight in like over a year and a half of our marriage now it's yeah it's possible trust me and so jeff's challenge um kind of in that in tandem with that part where i mentioned the whole you know the, the lady standing up in the pool fine be afraid do it anyways right um push past your fears with relationships you know do it anyways ask the questions that are sometimes scary to ask hey are you dating anyone if they say yes okay well you know, now you know. And if not, oh, well, hey, you know, just be kind and give it a shot. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And for those who listen to episodes of season, season one, excuse me, um, you have heard a lot about um, how much Lorraine and I just had to keep trying and keep trying. And no matter how crappy things gotten, well... If you've listened to even the last half of season two, you've heard uh, just how much it's worth it. So. Absolutely. Anyways, if you enjoyed this episode, um, share it around. Go click that follow link on Um Give us a good review if you like this. Those are much appreciated. Once again, older episodes are now on your homepage. Yep, thatwhichperishethnot.com archived episodes are there um and yeah until next time don't forget to stand steadfastly in the freedom god gave us this is paul pulsifer and colette pulsifer merry christmas happy new year
Here, here. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.